0: The Big Ten schedule has been released, Mel Tucker knows his competition, and Jones has been in Michigan for the past several days. (laughs) He's sharing a mic and hasn't read the outline, but what the hell, if Terry Gross can do it, maybe he can? You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves Gary Harris is credited... Wow, no one wrote new copy for this. All right, Look, I didn't
0: catch that one. God damn it.
1: This is fine. It's Can't Read, it's Can't Write. It's the podcast that, uh, you know, Wolverines know, Spartans can talk, yada, yada, yada. I'm Mike Jones. I'm, of course, joined by my two co-hosts, Kevin Breck, who... Is the man who got fired from entry level IT and Alex Plum, <laughs> the newest dog, dag, not dog dad of the imitable Yali. That is Alex Plum. Greg, let's toss it to you with this CF of an open.
2: How are we doing, buddy? i um, great. So uh, we're recording. Jones and I are recording across the basement. Hey, buddy. I see you. I see What's you. Up? What's going on? Plums off in Detroit. Detroit. And uh, our first live show has all of the problems that a live show would have in a basement.
1: Without any of the charm of people.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure our listening audience will will just tolerate all of this. It'll be fine, they say, because we get to benefit from a live show. that's live to no one except for Jones and Grek across the basement. And it's almost like
1: uh there's big 10 football coming back and we decided to just screw the technology
2: when people are tuning in great i love it you you want to make your changes when when stakes are highest that's that's why in all of the it organizations i've been in they publish uh you know patches on on fridays friday is patch day in my experience
1: Hi, Steak Friday. Uh, Plum, How's how, tell the folks about Yali and who Yali is.
0: Oh, oh man, boys. I, Saturday morning, went and picked up uh, the jewel of my eye, my very own little golden retriever puppy, eight weeks old, little Yali Plum. Yali is a derivation of the my- Mortlockese word y'all, which means sun, like sunshine. So this is a little uh, bringing some Micronesia Peace Corps back to Detroit. And uh, we are having a nice old evening. She is currently sleeping or pretending to sleep under my feet.
2: That's so nice. That's that's a nice little ray of sunshine in what has been a otherwise terrible week. Shall we move on?
3: Yep.
1: So this is all garbage. But anyway, thank you, of course, for listening. Can't read, can't write. Again, the podcast that blah, 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 blah. Uh, If you could share the podcast with Spartans in your life, we promise we normally have the intro buttoned up a little bit more than this. Uh, You can find us on Twitter at Spartan underscore pond. And of course, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show, assuming you're planning on rating five stars. Uh, Otherwise, you know, thank you for your your modicum of time and move along. Anyway, uh, Plum, (laughs) tell the people about the structure of this show.
0: Ooh, because I've not read the outline. I, I wouldn't have if I were you. This is going to be a cluster. Uh, we start with the green wall. Uh, we start with the green wall where football always leads, the sport that does, despite some of us wishing basketball would every once in a while. But that's irrelevant now because we've got big news this week. So we'll take it away with football. We'll give a quick nod of the head to basketball because Tom Izzo always deserves to be acknowledged. After the green wall, we head off Grand River, where we find out what's going on in East Lansing and around the NCAA connection. God love the NCAA. We might even take a visit down to pro sports just to rub our faces in the dog shit pile that is the Detroit Lions. (laughs) Finally, we will close off with our Twitter questions this week because, uh, you know, we've got, uh, well, maybe not not as many as usual, but we've got a pretty good amount. We are skipping our... No dumb questions, just dumb host segment. But you never know. There'll be some, uh, some dumb host moments scattered throughout.
2: Oh, I've had nothing but dumb host moments since we came down here to start recording this thing.
0: <laughs> Greg, Greg had some dumb host
1: moments before he knew he had dumb host moments. That is to say, my, when he got in the car.
2: <laughs> my dumb host moments cascaded like a, a beautiful Domino's array of di- of tomfoolery. And now here we are. But you know, um,
1: it's it's rare you get to see a three star Slenderman, and I am very thankful for it. So let's be head behind the green wall, uh, of course, uh, starting with the good old footballs. Uh, football is back. I, we covered it last Wednesday when it was just Greg and I. Of course, Alex Plum, in addition to being a you know devotee of of Spartan fandom, and uh, the man with... The adequate amount of SAS to capture what is required to feel about the John L. era. Um, Alex is also a public health expert. So I think it would be fair to uh, turn some of our lesser informed opinions over to him to just sort of comment on the protocols. We're going to talk about the schedule, but like, Alex, maybe you can sort of say from your public health background, does the, the change in decision make some sense for the Big Ten?
0: Um, it makes some sense. Let's start there. It makes some sense. I I think that there are a number of very good uh, critiques of providing daily uh, point uh, rapid rapid tests to Division One collegiate athletes. Um, those tests could be going to other people like public school teachers, healthcare workers, bus drivers, other frontline workers. We'll put those arguments to the side because they're valuable, valid, and I think others have treated them well. We'll get into that. <laughs> we'll get into them. Um, but from the purely uh, sports-based perspective, uh, the reality is that the, the, the table has turned. And I think it's turned in a way that, that allows now for, um, ta- for, 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 for football to go on because we can test and we can determine at a, a point in time with a certain degree of confidence where there are positive individuals, positive with COVID-19, who can then be isolated, uh, teams can be quarantined, We've got a. I think the Big Ten has set a five percent prevalence per team rate. And if the if the team goes above five percent, then they uh, a prevalence of COVID nineteen in the team, like a little mini outbreak. They got to take a week off. Um, so they've they've put together, you know, kind of a continuation of practice, competition um, timeline. They've got green, orange, and red. the 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 million dollar question here: it's probably actually worth a lot more than a million dollars, if we're being honest was could you get daily testing available to every student athlete in Division I football across the Big Ten? The answer to that is yes. If they are able to do that, if they are able to guarantee that COVID-19 positive players do not play, then they are controlling for the disease spread and as a result uh, controlling for and preventing any of the myocarditis and other Um, unknown neurological, other cardiac uh, pulmonary conditions that can come along with COVID-19. So assuming the testing works, and I think there are reasons to believe it can, although we all have to be very clear that these tests are not 100%, um, there's still a big element of risk to this in addition to those other worthy arguments. But on balance, from a purely sports perspective, the table has changed in a way that allows them to go forward.
2: Okay. So it it became... Clear to me this week that we have a listenership that has reservations about this. That
1: it's in the Twitter questions, right? Though, like, yes. so should we? I think this is a, a conversation worthy of having. Yeah, but like, do should we just maybe get into it on the Twitter questions?
2: We'll save it for Twitter questions. I will just say, in direct correspondence, in Twitter questions. And other people were not happy with us last week. We did get some blowback last week for letting the Big Ten off the hook a little bit. Um, and I we I appreciate that. I I appreciate calling us out if it if if we were out of line and we were too easy on it last week. Then, um, yeah. But having Plum on and having Plum explain how. Yes, in practice, societal elements of this whole thing aside, there is a path forward for sports. The question is the cost, the societal cost of it. And I think the three of us, right, are on the same page that it's a little skeezy having football, but it is possible in effect, right? Am I speaking for the three of us? Yes. Yeah,
1: I mean, I I, I think I, I've got some more extended thoughts, but I'll save it for Twitter questions. Um, particularly, I've got one listener in particular, Mama Maple Leaf, that I'm going to come at hard. Uh, but the but we'll we'll get into it a little bit later. Uh, it, it, you know, it, look, it, I, I appreciate the criticism of capitalism, and we'll move on. Um, but the let's get into the release of the Big Ten schedule, and so I'm not going to break down the whole the whole schedule, but let's start with Michigan State. Actually, note, we're not
2: going to do the whole. We're not going to do the whole array of schedules.
1: First, Iowa. Iowa is playing Wisconsin, and then Purdue. <laughs> uh, no, I will say though that I did forget momentarily that Northwestern was in the West, and so I saw their schedule and I thought that they were because we played them it seemingly all the time in football. That it seemed like they were in our division and then I saw their schedule and I was very furious that they seem to play only teams from the West division, but anyway, so Michigan state leading. And I think this is the best
2: thing ever leading with Rutgers. I mean, it's the best thing that you could ask for, but it does give us the opportunity of messing up the mantle of being the only big 10 team not to lose to Rutgers.
1: It's co it's 2020. I think everything is in flux. Uh, <laughs> But so I'm just going to knock through these. I think, I think the high points here are, so we have Michigan on the road, which we expected to happen when they went down to a conference-only schedule. The The flip side is, in the second to last week of the season, we play Ohio State at home. So we're no longer, in theory, doing home-home, away-way with those two games. So that's the net positive. Um, but following the Michigan game is Iowa on the road, uh, going to connect for the first time, I think, since 20. 12 Greg. does that sound right
2: uh give or take That's possible
1: right it's been a long time you in 2013 maybe you look it up uh it's been at least six years anyway um indiana at home maryland away northwestern at home ohio state at home and then penn state on the road to wrap up the season i love love that rivalry week has finally brought the land grant trophy it, in all its monstrosity, <laughs> back to the last uh, the last week. Plum, that, that's that got to feel a lot better than playing Maryland of all teams to wrap a season,
0: right? Yeah, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with going back to the old glory days of wrapping the season with Penn State. I don't care that we're going down to Happy Valley. I'm glad that we're bringing back some of the tradition that I have desperately missed. I don't think we're going to Happy Valley in December 12th. There's no way we're playing outdoors. <laughs> December twelfth, right? We are absolutely doing it. There's going to be seven feet of snow on the field. No player <laughs> will get sick from COVID nineteen, but four players will die of hypothermia, and Mel Tucker will have <laughs> like his big toe removed. So
2: that's Big Ten football right there. Chelsea, you're right. Uh, Twenty thirteen was the last MSU game at uh, Kinnick Stadium, so that's bananas. Uh yeah, he, he, you guys can't say this, but I can. Jonesy's dancing, it's awful. This game, U of M, we have been rough on Bill Beekman on the podcast, but this is a coup. I mean, he worked it out so that we play in front of an empty stadium in Ann Arbor this year, and then we play in Spartan Stadium next year in front of a roaring ready-for-actual-football crowd
1: and for, for for year zero of mel tucker in a tune-up game right yeah. like this is this is as low stakes for a potential l to u of m yeah that we could have not that we're conceding an l but if it happens i think we all know it's
2: very easy to justify if there's a, a loss in week two on the road to u of m
1: in a COVID season in which your coach was hired shortly before everything being shut down <laughs>
2: I mean, this is uh, and now you get Ohio State on the off year because the expectation is that this schedule sets the cadence for future schedules. Um, getting U of M and Penn State home on one year and then getting Ohio State and Indiana, of course, the big old brass platoon showdown. That's the one that that's that that's the real
1: show. Hey, that's nine wind Indiana, nine Wind Indiana
2: windiana windiana that's a good split if we can keep that split for a while until there's the inevitable expansion of the big 10 to 16 teams that's pretty good i'm happy with that i know that we're not talking about this year we're talking about the future of football but uh i i'm happy having having the big marquee games split up in that way Again, having the old brass platoon brawl as one of those four marquee games.
1: So, Plum, I, I saw here you had a note about, uh, because that's what it really I have to go off of. Mm. Um, you can't wait to see Nebraska get ravaged. I think is is ravaged too romantic of a word by Ohio State uh, in week one. Yeah, I, I think this is uh, karmically right. Perfect. That the team that was loudest about we want to play that everyone was like, what you guys want to play? Like you guys yep, gets Ohio State for to get literally tuned up on
0: on week one. Right. Absolutely. There is zero question in anyone's mind. The reality has to be these two teams. Fate has drawn them together. If there is a way for them both to lose by high margins, please, God, give that to Big Ten fans everywhere. You got to love it. Um,
1: I will say, uh, just point to, you know, I saw a tweet from someone in the U of M Twitter verse that uh, U of M has the hardest first four weeks schedule in the country. And that is to say they have Minnesota... Michigan State, Indiana, and
2: Wisconsin. I doubt that's the hardest first four-week schedule in the country.
1: I think we have to first acknowledge that Michigan State literally did have the hardest football schedule in the country until there was no football. Right. But I, I do have to maybe say, potentially, that's not an
2: easy
3: schedule U of M has in front of them.
2: So they row the boat week one. Sure. And then, you know, we get a building uh, Mel Tucker team. <laughs> you know, who Nine cares?
3: Indiana. Nine in Indiana.
2: Nine in Indiana. Um, I, d- I don't care about them.
3: And then, what Weiss, do you-, you know, Wisconsin. Yeah.
2: Who housed them last year? Um, who cares? <laughs> You're <laughs> I, right.
3: I, I this isn't a world podcast.
2: About that. So when you guys look at this schedule, what do you think is a reasonable win total? Where where, where are you setting the expectation? Before we were setting the expectation with non-conference games at 500, right? I think that was about the equilibrium that we ended up with. Now we're talking full conference games plus Rutgers. Uh, What is reasonable here for you guys? Is it, I'm talking about like maybe a three win season. Yeah, I don't want to say it out loud, but yeah.
0: No, we got to get four. (laughs) Okay. So I think. We will beat Rutgers. No, no. Well then, We will beat Rutgers. We will lose to Michigan. We will lose to Iowa. We will beat Indiana. Uh, Yes. I know you don't like that. I know you don't like that, and you shouldn't like that, but we will. We will be. I'm unwilling.
2: I'm with Plum. I'm unwilling to say we lose to Indiana. Forks down.
0: Penning. No, no, we're, we're, no! We're going to beat Indiana. I'm saying we're going to lose at Iowa. We're gonna, yep. we're gonna win at Rutgers. We're gonna, or I'm, we're gonna win at home against Rutgers. We're gonna win at home against Indiana. We're gonna win on the road against Maryland, and we're gonna win at home again against Northwestern. Those are the four wins. We lose everything else. And again, the reason we lose at Penn State is because the four players that died are all ours. So it's just regrettable. Uh, no. but, you know, if if it, podcast, we're
2: going to make plum look at the depth chart and choose his four players that die <laughs> and then contact their families. Be like, hi, this is Alex from the can't Re, Can't right podcast. And they're uh, going to be like, Oh yes, Alex. Yeah, of course you're our favorite.
0: Yeah, and this just in yeah. one of those four is a player who had initially opted to sit the season out for COVID. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all
1: right, well, I, I I think the hot take from all of this is that you you both are feeling pretty confident about the Indiana win. Um, I'm just not wanting to go there quite yet because uh, Nine Indiana is a real team and
2: should be respected. But let's move on from the uh well know. we gotta pull it here what does espn think no one we move on from that so what do you want to do after that uh recruits
1: okay so greg and i i think maybe maybe in our uh drunken glory about the big 10 coming back that we apparently were widely criticized for uh um, panam. Uh, we, uh, we, we mentioned, I believe on the pod that we were going to talk about recruits and then just didn't, Mm -hmm. um, that maybe happened. Uh, so, uh, Michigan state picked up two big time recruits in the uh, last two weeks. Uh, one is Javon Grisby out of Louisiana. And then the, the one, the only that we have been fawning over. I mean, I've been looking at those pictures a lot. Greg is giving me the face right now. Audric Estime, the uh, the running back out of New Jersey, four star.
2: The running back. Yeah, is a running back.
1: You know what? Whatever makes you more comfortable. Anyway, uh, so the we'll talk. We've talked about Audric Estime before, so why don't we just start there because it may, might be a little bit easier to to chat about him briefly. He's out of uh, St. Joseph's Prep in New Jersey. He is teammates with uh, Gino Vandermark, uh, whose name mm-hmm. is me momentarily. Mm-hmm. He had offers from ASU, Duke, Iowa, Iowa State, Louisville, Maryland, Minnesota, Nebraska, Rutgers, Virginia, West Virginia, and Texas A&M. So not a shabby offer list. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, and you know the fact that it came down to Michigan State and Rutgers at the end I guess maybe makes me wonder how many of those were committable offers?
2: Um, Yeah. Yeah, I'm a man that loves an offer list. I I hate to evaluate a uh, prospect based off like the number 42 running back. You know, I think that's garbage. Um, It is getting tougher because committable offers are starting to be a thing, committable, non-committable. What's important here is a couple of things. One, Audric had some options. Rutgers hired his high school coach, right? And then he came and shows. I mean, people thought that this was going to be a coup out there for Shiano, that he, Shiano's going to start hiring up big time high school coaches in Jersey and just start racking up recruits. And Mel Tucker goes out there, way out of his standard uh, recruiting areas, and got two big guys two of the bigger guys of this class. So you've got to be happy with this, that under these circumstances, yep. I'm not just talking COVID, but I'm talking about guys coach gets hired by a rival big 10 team. Yep. As much as none of us think of Rutgers as a big 10 team. Um, <laughs> it, it, he still ended up coming at MSU. So I, I, this is a huge recruiting win for Mel Tucker. Even if he's not in the, even if Audric's not in the top, Two four seven composite or whatever the hell it is. Not that it matters because this is all messed up from ESPN. Uh, what's well, important here is he had options and he chose MSU under the circumstances. Do you do you want to give a
1: little bit of? I think we mentioned it before, but just to clue people in on on why ESPN is screwing this
2: up. ESPN only cares about their perceived what is it top one hundred fifty recruits basically three top three hundred top three hundred. Yeah, and who knows how much they actually care. But ESPN's ESPN's hurting, right? Like just straight up. They're they're allocating resources in a more guarded way, and this is not something they're good at. And uh they're messing up the rankings for a bunch of prospects out there. They should just exit the game. They should stop with this garbage and focus on what they're good at. But yeah. So, uh, as far as rivals and
1: twenty four seven, which are the two primary recruiting services, uh, Audrey St. May is a consensus amongst those two four star recruit. But uh, let's uh, let's move over to uh, Javon Grigsby, who mm-hmm. uh, or Grigsby, because I think Plum, you had a chance to review some of his tape and were quite impressed with uh, the that he may be uh some might say mike jones height mm. but that he he hits dudes a long way like
3: 5
1: plus yards back uh, and and what and i remember you sent me a text specifically saying that you loved that um he included special teams clips there just for the fact that he could just lay a shoulder into people
0: what a three-star safety from Louisiana from the red stick of Louisiana as I I thought Yali had a red it. stick. Oh. <laughs> See, it's funny you, you were there because I would have described Javon Grigsby as bulgy, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> it's everywhere. Um no, I think you know, the kid is uh I don't know. Uh, the kid seems like a, uh, uh, a blue collar, hard work. Put your shoulder down. Destroy a, cu- a few guys' faces, um, which is surprising from that height that you could do that. But you can. Hey, and hey. Um, leverage, leverage. leverage. Right? It's all about leverage. It's all about attack angle of attack. So no, I think we're I think we're going to be good with him. I, I'm very much looking forward to see what he can do. Yeah. Um, one question for you: If you're you're reviewing the, tip,
2: the, the tape on, uh, on Javon here. Is this going to be a dude
0: for us? I, I don't want to say he's going to be a dude, um, but I have confirmed, at least through several folks that have played with him and against him, that he will be a guy. And okay. I think if we have that much to look forward to, I, I don't think that's a bad thing.
2: Yeah. So he's
1: I have heard, though, that, uh, that Javon may be a guy. Now, d- he does have great sort of pedigree in his name, We all know that Javon is a wonderful name for an MSU uh, Mm -hmm. football player, but uh, that he may be a bit of a a tough recruit. I mean, we are asking him to come a long way from home, uh, and he he had a number of intriguing offers. His offer list uh, was Auburn, Indiana, Kansas, Louisville, Miami, Florida, Purdue, and Vandy,
2: I believe. Among others. What's that? Among others.
1: Yeah, I believe Vandy was actually the most sincere uh, power five interest, maybe Purdue also um, on that list. Not that, you know, the the other ones aren't intriguing, but the he is not a tall guy. Um, he is going to be, you know, we Colton Pouncy of The Athletic has a routine tweet about a an MSU recruit uh, stating their height. This would be by far the shortest recruit of the Mel Tucker era.
2: And the reason for that, the background, is that Mel Tucker is recruiting big and fast, and Javon is a little bit outside of that mold.
1: He's fast, hits, and hits like a big dude. But so, anyway, so he he just may have some people whispering in his ear. Um, and so, look, this is an exciting get. It's in Louisiana, which is a talent-rich state that you know there's there's more talent there than can go to LSU. So it's it's a it's an intriguing state, but. Uh, one to keep an eye on and you know, if you, we say don't tweet at recruits all the time, you should continue to not tweet anything other than go green at a recruit, but, uh, feel free if Javon tweets some, some stuff out, give it a like, give it a retweet, you know, let him know that he, he should feel welcome here because honestly it's a big move to ask. So, um, with that, let's move to basketball
3: gents. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, John Rothstein? Again, I have not read the, the, the outline, but apparently <sighs> Hogarth and Sissoko have been getting some love from John Rothstein.
2: Talking to your mic, my man. Uh, yeah, I guess. This was put on the outline by a <laughs> plug. We're lifting, we're lifting back the curtain to your audience. You get to see how the sausage is made
0: and, and let me tell you right pretty. now it is not pretty it's not at all uh right, john rothstein who everyone will remember uh is uh is a is a writer uh a so-called basketball insider and um i i believe i believe i've overheard before um that he was a a a nominee for the nobel peace prize a few years ago I, i've got to fact check that uh gave a full preview release for the 2020 Big Ten basketball season. Optimistic guy John Rothstein, one of the reasons he was nominated for the award. Uh but he's got uh he's got AJ Haggard and uh Maddie Sissoko, uh two uh I believe two true freshmen um as uh he's calling them high impact freshmen in the Big Ten this year. So little shout out anyway both guys were four uh were were four star prospects uh, when uh when they came to Michigan State um and he's got them both in, uh, uh, in the top 10 for, uh, for center and for guard in the 2020 class. So I guess we can hope that uh, they come off the bench. They add a little flair and style to the game. And um, if John is uh, right on those, uh, those impact scores, then maybe I'll write a letter to the folks in Sweden on his behalf.
2: I mean, Hogarth's going to be a high impact on my pronunciation guide for 2020.
0: Is it Hoggard or is it Hogard? Because I've well, heard it.
2: You,
1: you want to know why I wasn't talking to my microphone, is because I was looking over for you for affirmation as I talked, as I said it out loud.
2: I believe it's Hogard, but I keep hearing it as Hoggard.
1: You know, so I think here's my instinct on it, if we're being honest.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Is I think people feel uncomfortable saying Hogard. Yeah. And so they want to say Hoggard because that feels different mm.
3: mm-hmm. i think it's
1: a mm-hmm. comfort thing and and i think yeah. it is i i do believe it is actually hogard uh it
2: says a lot that of the class maddie sissoko is the name that everyone's willing to say and, and like, we all
1: not, got we all got behind boyachi like real fast but we've <laughs> not been able to figure it, which has a k and a y in it but, but we can't figure out hogard or hoggard anyway um true. either way he's gonna be a real talent uh i think Plum, you had one other line on here that i i think is maybe worth just mentioning in passing before we get to our off grand river segment which is to say that there's been a flurry of news coming out about additional offers that tom Izzo and company have been making to to some uh 2022 recruits mm-hmm. and So you have one identified here. I've seen a handful of others that what I think is remarkable about them is that Tom is more than maybe usual playing a little bit outside of his traditional sandbox. Um, They're not all Michigan guys. Greg, you give me a look that maybe that's your recollection as well, that maybe he's he's moving a little bit outside of, and Plum doesn't have the advantage of eye contact right now. So sorry,
2: Alex. Again, Terry Gross. Terry Gross. Uh yeah, so we're call back. Tom is full for 2021, and we're dealing with some potential uh, uh, reclassifications there for for committed 2022. Um, or, or t- yeah, 2022 players. Um, so he is all in on this 2022 class, which is going to be a big class, and there are just simply not enough guys in Michigan to fill it out. So he and the staff are definitely branching out. And if you follow basketball recruiting, I mean, there are guys all over the country that are reporting getting not just offers, but like significant interest from the staff at MSU. So, um, Tom is seizing on that energy coming off of, uh, coming off of a huge existing 2022 class, uh, He's he's making the most of it. Tom, Tom's not slowing down on the recruiting trail. He's he's full full steam ahead. I think
1: I think Tom has decided that he's got one natty in the ba- in the bank.
2: Dude wants three.
1: Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. He's got one more, and he he's like, I know I got one more. I think I can get two. Plum, what's your take on on this? I, I, I didn't mean to cut you out of here, but you added the 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 note. So, is there anything about this particular recruit that stuck out to you as intriguing?
0: Not. One thing Uh, (laughs) I think, I think that Tom typically when he's looking at a state, he's not going for big stars. So this kid's a four-star power forward. We now know what that means. Thanks to no stupid questions, just stupid hosts. Um, Terrace Reed, uh, you know, Chaminade high school in Missouri. Um, obviously he's not inked with anything. He put up the, the general, you know, tweet, uh, expressing his gratitude to God for, uh, the opportunity that he got the, um, offer i feel bad for every other basketball player who god has clearly decided to smite eventually with Are, a lack we, of grace and gift
1: um this i think we have a question about this as it relates to you that i think we should maybe table god for a second mm. i want to i want to get into theology for a moment
2: on oh uh, i would point out real quick uh marvin clark and tum tum naren both came out of chaminade Missouri. i'm not sure if it's charm chaminade, but we do have a history in Missouri picking up, guys. Four right. stars? Uh, I think Marvin Clark and Tum Tum were technically both four stars. If, if Tum was a four star. Ooh. He was a well-regarded guy. Um, and still is, and a member of the program, a cherished member of the program. Oh, and- yeah, no, no, no. Don't get me wrong.
1: Cherished? Beloved?
2: Yes. Four star?
1: <laughs>
2: okay, that's fair i seem to recall i mean those were both guys that ended up on msu's roster as a product of other guys not ending up on MSU. yes roster. yeah
1: they, they were misses yeah they were the, they were the result of a miss
2: but they were at the time considered to be pretty good plan Bs. at the time of their recruiting you're shooting me a look across the room this is why we shouldn't be no doing. this is
1: actually why I'm, I'm i'm going to maybe insist that we all video chat from now on i'm actually quite enjoying this.
2: Yeah, because you just want to stare down three-star Slenderman across the room.
1: Cute. I... Anyway, your Slenderman, not that interesting right now. But let's... Uh, all the same, I, I think what's what's intriguing, maybe maybe the thing that listeners should keep an eye out for is that the... 2022 seems, relatively oh. speaking, like high-profile, I don't want to say locked in, but we've got bochi we've got... Um, Imani is part, technically, part of the 2022 class. Isos handed out a, a couple of offers, a handful of offers that that it, it's at least worth noting that he seems to think he's going to have scholarship room on that team, and so that's intriguing to me.
2: Uh, excuse me, Lou Rawls, Tom Tom Naren, uh, four-star point guard in the class of 2014. Thank you very much.
1: Plum, do you know why we shouldn't do cameras? Because I was talking and making a good point and Greg, the whole time, he was clearly Googling things.
0: I was... Pretty, Those I was slender tired. fingers are so quick on the keyboard. <laughs> <sighs> All right,
1: let's move off, Grand River gentlemen. Uh, I So, Plum, I'm going to hand this to you for a second. I think you can just run with it and then pass it to Greg after thereafter uh, because he actually lives in East Lansing and has to deal with the... <clears throat> the terror that is the outbreak i know we have some questions on and, and i want to set aside we we actually have a worth a worthwhile dig at MSU about you know uh, MSU having all these protocols and yet michigan isn't getting the positive tests among their athletes so let's just focus for the moment upon the student population if we can and and what's happening in ingham county I, I can D- tell you who
0: can tell you who was not happy, and that was Tom Izzo. In a little uh, tweeted out, Instagrammed out, probably faxed out video recording, <laughs> really chided the student body for their insolence, ignorance, and general lack of go go rah rah team spirit, which is to mm-hmm. say, uh, their public health ineptitudes. Ingham County Health Officer Linda Vale issued an emergency order on Thursday afternoon uh little known fact uh, maybe more known now because covid public health officers in each county or in large cities across the state of Michigan and in fact uh, most jurisdictions across the country have police authority to declare emergency orders and to order the quarantine or um uh, uh arrest effectively arrest i mean you don't go to jail of uh, Of anyone, um, if it is deemed uh, if it's deemed a, a a public health crisis, it mm-hmm. does not need to be because of the governor's order. so mm-hmm. individual county or city health officers have legal police authority uh, to quarantine anybody for a limited amount of time, and that can be reviewed. Um, but that is uh, something in our state constitutions and it's something that's uh, it's across the country. Um, anyway. Uh, lovely little statistic here um, should make everybody very nervous that lives in uh, East Lansing. Sorry, Greg. 315% increase in COVID cases across the county since September 1st, um, which is the past 20 days, 19 days. 80% of those cases are because, are Michigan State students. And it's not unsafe to think that at least 19.4% of the non-MSU students are individuals who, though not students, were in close contact to them. Think convenience stores, restaurants, the essential workers who are keeping the economy going. Um, It's just shameful. It's incredibly shameful. So I don't know, Greg, I mean, what it must be like for you and Zill. Has this been something that's just hitting the news? Is this something that folks are talking about on your street?
2: Oh yeah, I mean it's a subject of conversation for sure. You're hearing about it in the neighborhoods. You're hearing about it uh, from people walking the dog. We it's have a been nice
1: game like on the streets.
2: Yeah, on the streets. Uh, so we we've, we've been selective in the uh, different places that we've chosen to go. We we've, we've, we've chosen a different grocer in the time being. <laughs> just to sort of uh provide a buffer between ourselves and all of this uh yeah it's not a good look it's not what you want you don't want uh i think we're now up to 70 houses that are on a uh enforced lockdown across uh east lansing we we might have gotten into the beard ice a little bit you guys might have uh taken it a little bit too far but from what i have seen and i This will come up again in the Twitter questions. Uh, The students have reacted pretty well to this. It's been a little bit more sedate since all of these stay-at-home orders have been ordered. So hopefully this is a bit of a blip. You know, you don't want anyone to get sick and you don't want to see these kinds of numbers in a global pandemic, obviously, and certainly I don't. But uh, it does seem like there has been a response in kind to the severity of the situation, but we'll see. We'll see how this goes.
3: So
1: it it seems like a genuinely sort of a terrible situation and, 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 you know, maybe one that's trying to improve, but you know, why don't we just maybe focus for a moment on terrible situations that clearly are not trying to improve. And that is to say the lion, the Detroit Lions are just terrible. Um,
2: and, you know... That's a great way to deflect, by the way. <laughs> we don't want to talk about East Lions anymore. Uh, lions, huh? How about them Lions?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, they're garbage. They're really screwing my fantasy team. Uh, uh-huh. And Greg has promised that I can not talk about fantasy, but... Yeah, we set rules around that. J- God, but- Galladay needs to come back. But anyway... Uh, I did, I did say, I did see a, a tweet today from uh, the NFL sort of research uh, department, if you will, that said that the Lions have 10 times in the last handful of years had a, a double digit lead on a team.
3: Uh, and they were two, two, six and one. No, Sorry
1: two seven and one no no two six and one two six and one with a double digit lead going into the half and uh the the 10th time was going to be this week that is to say they were up 14 to three on the green bay packers and somehow when i last saw the score it was 42 to 21 so i don't know i mean we're not an nfl podcast we'll never be an nfl podcast but i do think we take a certain amount of joy in in in, that that Spartan fandom is far more reasonable than Lions fandom right like am I wrong
0: the first team in NFL history to drop four straight games where they had a double digit lead
1: that's right I saw that
0: Matt Patricia seven and seven or maybe seven, seven, and one, I think, when leading by double digits. The guy isn't
3: hundred better lead. than
0: 500 when leading oh, by double God. digits. Everyone in leadership in the Lions organization, I, I mean, fill in the blank, and everyone has some expletive-laced, horrible... That those people should have to endure. It is beautiful how bad the lions are. And as a individual who is rooted for them since, well, I guess I was eight years old when my dad bought me my first starter jacket, pullover winter coat that was emblazoned <laughs> with lions insignia you know, that I then put on the mantle um, under the glory days of Wayne fonts and Barry Sanders. Uh, maybe the last days when you could respectably call yourself a Lions fan, I don't know. Uh, you wait I when mean, they
2: won their single postseason game ever so, in franchise history, glory, in, to a be. modern history of franchise of the franchise, uh, in Honolulu Blue. I mean, unbelievable, Africa is extraordinarily bad and should be fired. Um, we do, I want to make a point, Jim Caldwell was not the solution either. So just because I, I know that there's been a lot of posting out there about Jim Caldwell's record and Jim Caldwell this and Jim Caldwell that. Also a coach that probably was not going to lead the Lions to a division title, something that they've um, never done. Did you know that in some sports books, the Lions were favored to win the division?
1: I, bl- I, you- yeah, I, I don't know that I knew that, but I actually would believe that based oh. upon the, the NFC North.
2: What I mean, they've never done it. It's unreal.
1: Are
3: you
1: are you you gonna are you gonna trust the
2: Vikings as the leader in the NFC North? Oh my God! Do we need to talk about? I I didn't see it at the end because we started uh, getting ready here. We we started hanging out, but uh, Kirk Cousins at a certain point, his stats line today.
1: Did how did Dalvin Cook do? Because I care for fantasy.
2: we're going to move on from the NFL because this is not an NFL podcast and because Mike's going to find ways to, to, <laughs> to make this. it about me. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, let's,
1: let's, head to, let's head to Twitter questions. Um, so, uh, uh, Greg, I, I'm going to send this first one to you. We're going to start with Elon Bloom here. And I think this is a, an interesting question that maybe we all have slightly different opinions on, but I'll leave it to you. How many wins do the Spartans need to be considered overachievers? I think that's a very interesting way of phrasing the question about, like, we, we had a disagreement about record. I thought three, you would thought four, Plum thought four. How many wins to be an overachiever? Um, I mean, or, is it more of, or is it more of an expe- unexpected win or two? That doesn't say, could we end up with four wins, drop one we didn't mean to, and beat Michigan, a la Janelle days of, like, what we would consider a successful season.
2: Except for John L.
1: I know, I know, I know,
2: I know, I know. God, John L. Good good Lord. I like this point from Elon Bloom about an unexpected win, and if that could potentially galvanize the the fan base more than, say, you win the five easiest games. When I first saw this question from Elon Bloom, I was going to say four. Four is an overachieving year. Uh, Not counting this ninth game The the seeding matchup game uh, Because Who knows how that's going to end up working out I like this idea Instead of maybe A three win MSU team But one of those is a win That you can get really excited about Instead
1: Like a Penn State
2: Yeah Penn State was kind of exactly what I was thinking I don't think it's reasonable That you're going to beat Ohio State at home I think possible. yeah I think everyone's sort of expecting a win against Indiana whether that happens or not forks down it's not it's definitely gonna happen <laughs> uh, I think a win at Iowa or a win at Penn State or a win at U of M might put you in a situation where there's momentum for next year
0: uh, uh I'm gonna I'm gonna agree in part more. I'm gonna disagree in part uh, the The four wins that I named are eminently reasonable wins, eminently mm-hmm. okay. So for me, to not win those games is i'm 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 not really satisfied. So for me, and I know that's a high bar, but I don't care. it's only it's five hundred. so I really it's just not acceptable to not win those four games for me. Um, okay. If we pick up only three of those four, but we beat Michigan or we beat Ohio State, he will have surpassed my expectations. So I, for me, three win season. And one of those other two teams, like beating Michigan on the road or beating Ohio state at home, that counts for like two or three wins in my book, um, winning in happy Valley or wherever their feet won't fall off. Um, winning on the road in Maryland. I'm not, I'm not excited about that. I mean, yeah, great. Love the win. Obviously pick it up. Great. And if it's more than four, I'm like, I'm going to go buy a trombone, but sure. the, the, for, trombone, for different reasons, but that's, that's not here nor there. So I don't know. I, that, that's, that's my thinking. I mean, I, tell me I'm wrong, but I'm, Rutgers, Indiana, I, yeah, I don't know. You,
1: you, you both are overestimating Indiana, or so, rather underestimating Indiana quite a bit. We didn't have to face Pennix Jr. last year, who had a breakout season. And I know you want, what you want to call him, that's not how you pronounce it. He, <laughs> Indiana it. looks to be a really good team next year. They're a lot of the receiving core. Okay,
3: you're overestimating.
1: Yeah.
2: Anyway, we're moving on. Who I like you- this next question from Elon Bloom as well, uh, Plum. Who do you think our opponent will be for the ninth game? So that's the like-seeded game. It'll be Minnesota. <laughs> Ooh. Heat. Okay, because I think the expectations are a little bit higher than that down in uh, down in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. Oh.
0: Oh, I see what you mean because we're gonna probably be ranked like 32nd in the Big Ten. Yeah, no, I understand, but it'll be Minnesota. 32nd. Okay. All right. That's uh,
2: I, I wouldn't have. I would have expected something more like a Purdue or or something like that. Uh, but uh, Minnesota. That's is that a is that plum? Is that because Minnesota has a season that does not meet expectations, or is that because MSU exceeds expectations?
0: yeah it's an indictment on the uh, golden govers program to be sure okay all right Plum, not rowing the boat
1: all um, right we, we will move on to the last question from <laughs> elon bloom which i think is a great one um and i'm gonna go yeah, ahead
2: if we, were, if we were doing uh twitter rankings elon bloom well, it. Questions. uh so i'm
1: gonna i'm gonna go ahead and answer this one at the, at the gate and, and, and anyone can disagree with me um But the question is, does Rocky make it through the whole year as a QB one? And I'm going to, I'm going to take the unpopular opinion here. I think Rocky Lombardi makes it through the whole year as QB one. And here's why it's a throwaway season. It means nothing.
2: If it's a throwaway season though, doesn't that mean you try
1: other guys? I think you got to keep Rocky on your bench just in case shit goes sideways. And you don't want to lose Rocky. I think if,
2: Rocky is QB one through the whole season. That's an indictment of the other guys that are on. It
1: it may also be an indictment of the the other guys. Plum, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I, uh, I think he does make it through. I don't think he's had a haircut all since COVID began. And I think that's where his power is. He he shaved his locks.
2: Yeah. What? Oh yeah. Yeah. He's a little, he's a little cut now. Samson oh, God, no.
0: Hair. He's going to be injured at Rutgers then. Uh, that's absolutely going to happen. No, that's that's it. That's it. Damn it. Strike everything else I've said. Strike everything else. If we win one game this season, that will be a success for me. Strike it all. <laughs> all right,
1: let's move to the Apertuck jerk guy. Uh, can I get an, an embarrassing picture of Greshy? Greshy, I know you don't want me to share anything about my fantasy football team, but can I share the picture that is my logo of my fantasy football teams?
2: Which is a derivative of the only picture that they have of me, by the way. It is. The it pictures is. that you have are embarrassing pictures. It, oh. it, actually, the Everdead Jerk Guy, you already have a picture of Greshy.
1: I gave it to you without his consent. <laughs> and he was posing for that. So I don't know what you want from me. We'll find something else. We'll send yeah. him something else here. I got you. I got you right now. All right. All right. Next question from the upper, jerk jerk, jerk, upper deck jerk guy. What guilty pleasure are you indulging in more often in these dark, turbulent times? Plum, what do you, what do you got other than, um, baby golden retrievers?
0: <laughs> mm, made a dozen cookies tonight. That's always a dangerous indulgence. Um, and I have been way over weed and seeding the front and back lawns such to the point that I've got some pretty nasty burn marks on the grass. So shwhoopsy. Yep. yep. Weed and seed. Yo, yo, weed and I-
1: feed. Weed and feed. Fine.
0: Fine. What, maybe I did it wrong.
1: Uh. Yeah, he, he 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 put weed and feed down on his lawn. You don't
2: treat your lawn, so you don't you can't relate. I cannot relate. I don't know what this is.
1: It's a it's a thing. Plum they come back, they're fine yeah thanks. um
2: grass will always grow that's what i was told that's some farm wisdom that was dispensed to me one time
3: by by who farmers farmers thank you
1: and, and this farmer do you trust them for much other advice in life no that's about it, it was- <laughs> yeah. all, all right. right um are you
2: doing are you indulging in anything else in more grec? Uh, mine bridges into this next question. How early is too early to start drinking? This week, the answer was never too early. Really? Well, this week starting
3: two days ago. Right. Moving on. All right. Always think 1835. (laughs) I'm I'm still...
2: It was a dark week. It was a dark week in the judiciary. oh
1: yes got you got you got you but that was late night news that was late night news yeah i leaned in saturday saturday morning was an early start for you Mm -hmm. you're hitting the bloodies hard all right always thinking 1835 have you ever spent money on a smartphone app game if yes what game slash games and was it worth it i haven't
2: answered this but uh plumb no offense this seems like a grec question Am I wrong for sure? uh, Are you you guys whales out there for some for some kind of app? (sighs) Yikes. Are you a Clash of Clans whale? Oh, Uh,
1: not a whale. I may have spent a dime or two on the Clash. Uh, I may have spent a dime or two on NFL Madden, and I may have spent a dime or two on
2: NBA 2K. Wow. So you're one of those microtransaction fools.
1: Yes, I am a fool. I, no, because wow. here, here's, here's here's the answer, is that you, you do it, and you immediately feel shame and guilt. It is immediate remorse. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I just spent $10, and it didn't feel good at all.
2: Wow. I have a net positive Google Play balance from promotional uh, credits that were given to me years ago. Uh, so... I, I don't think I've ever spent my real money.
1: Congratulations on the sex. <laughs> I just,
2: I've never thought less of you than this moment, Michael Jones.
1: And you bragging about your positive transaction balance on Google Play. I have never thought less of you.
2: Um, promotional credits that I've saved. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't. My God. Say it
1: sexier this time and it'll feel better for you.
2: <laughs> I still have uh, promotional credits.
0: Plum, what about you? uh, Did they get you on Hearthstone or something like that? I don't even know what that question means, and I won't respond to it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's a no. It's just Jonesy all by himself over there.
1: I am on an island, literally and figuratively. Um,
2: Plum, what
1: is your favorite color? And if green, was it always green or did green become your favorite color due to your alma mater? Again, from always thinking 1835.
0: I've always thought my favorite color was blue, if I'm being honest, but when I was a little kid and I wanted to be a bus driver when I grew up, I would have told you it was yellow. But my favorite shirt in middle school was green, and I remember one of the counselors in the middle school told me, Alex, is green your favorite color? And I looked down at my shirt, and I said, I guess. And she said, that might mean you're a genius. And then I always felt weird because in my heart, I always knew blue was my favorite. And I know that because as an adult who buys his own clothing, probably 85% of my wardrobe is blue. So
2: yeah, there you go. It just ends up happening. It's hard to get away from blue in the wardrobe. Just looks so good.
1: what about you? Uh, green was not always my favorite color. It is my favorite color, though, and it is because of my alma mater. Before that, it was orange because I don't know. I was a kid. Ah. I, I mean, I don't know. Um, what is a uh, last question from uh, second last question from Always Thinking 1835 is what? Or with the disproportionate amount of resources that are being spent to make sports happen. Have we officially reached our bread and circuses Mm -hmm. moment or are we well past it? uh, Can someone explain the reference to me that I'm clearly not picking up on?
2: Uh, I've heard it before. I've always expected this to be like, uh, you're just feeding the masses bread and then you're just like entertaining them with this extra superfluous thing with circuses that uh that doesn't mean anything uh it's just sort of like placating the proletariat in the meantime is how i've always read this but i didn't look it up and i i don't know it
0: two things only that people anxiously desire bread and circuses give what they want give them what they want
3: see this is why we keep
0: on. Yeah, you got it, man. I'm here for you. I, I, I think. Is this
2: we, it, Tom, then, yeah. are we at or Brennan circuses.
0: We are absolutely at Brennan circuses. No, I answered your question faithfully when I was asked uh, about uh, the the turning table moment. Uh, we had some uh, fools on Twitter spouting off about how embarrassed the Big Ten must be because they finally just got. You know, they were just trying to play catch up to the SEC when, in fact, clearly testing has changed, which is what brought the Big Ten back to the football table. This is but what- let's, let's be explicit. This is all still the SEC, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, everybody, everybody. It's a bread and circuses moment. There is is, isn't that college football? And you're not wrong. I mean, so, you're not so, wrong. I
1: mean, like, this is, this is like, I'm happy to like, I, and I, honestly, I think maybe we, we would do better to disagree a little bit more often on the podcast. Yeah. But the, the thing is, the, what are we really complaining about here? The death, the death, the death of people. Resources haven't been allocated appropriately.
0: Yeah. Well, shit, you should rewind time a long way. Yeah. But I would argue, argue if, but I think, I mean, but I think I the, think think, the think. argument would be that the that people haven't died. I think that's the difference here, and you're not wrong. You're absolutely right. Our resources have never been allocated appropriately, quote unquote, from any sort of moralistic standard, unless it's a utilitarian framework. The reality, though, has been that no one's life has been there's not a, there's not a life trade-off. But people are literally dying because they can't get their hands on tests. And every single test that's manufactured and purchased by the Big Ten is one fewer test that's available for so, folks who actually need
1: so it. So, are you are you are you, are you in, is, can, can you confirm? that there's a scarcity of tests, tests that the big 10 is taking away from people being able to consume those tests.
0: I would say that public school teachers do not have access to daily tests,
1: but who's, bu- but who's buying them? I, so I, that's my point is, is it, or is the big 10 literally buying tests at a higher price point that would not be available to public schools but for the Big Ten swooping in with their big bag bad money and taking it away, big if true, big if no, true. No, no, I, I don't. I don't think it's an unreasonable question to ask for as much shit as. Well, the big then Ten let is. me
0: answer. Then let me answer by and I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer to your question. All we have are – we can only we can only skirt around the answer because none of us have that information. It's not available. That's part of the problem. But the bigger <laughs> issue is the president of the United States called the commissioner of the Big Ten. To sure. inveigh yep. on him sure. to make this decision and to do everything reasonably prudent to get it done, so does that mean that they're spending a premium to get these tests, which would then of course divert them economically to the big ten over other schools? we don't know. is that an unfair assumption? absolutely not um the truth is there are generally speaking a paucity of tests, whether that's because they haven't been created, whether that's because the federal government hasn't uh, nationalized manufacturing to make those tests available, whether it's simply because we don't care. Um, and it may be some of all of that. And, there's, and there are other reasons to be sure. The reality is a, a significant number of resources are going to enable and facilitate the playing of football and that will very well come at the expense of human lives. There is no question about it. This is a bread and circuses moment. And I'm still probably going to watch every single Michigan State football game. So tell me that I'm not the, the fool eating the bread and getting in line without a mask to see the circus.
1: Totally fair. And and I, I think it's just maybe worth the, – the inquiry I, I have is, and maybe that we can get into at a later question as it is more on point, is is that the Big Ten's fault? Who is at fault here? Because that's the that's what I want to drill in on. But so I think we have questions on that point later on. So we'll move to the next one from always thinking 1835, which is if you had to, (laughs) uh, which is a wildly different question. If you had to, what person who shares your first name would you trade lives with? Alex, I
0: assume it's Alexander Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton. No, actually, it wouldn't be because I don't want to get fucking shot that young. That's not (laughs) any. (laughs) bomb came out. We're we're PG thirteen now. We're oh, officially PG thirteen. Sorry, there. and no I've way. sworn multiple times here. I maybe I said it so fast you couldn't really tell what I said. Fuggin' no. it's it with two G's. Yeah, um, see, <laughs>
3: it might have been it,
0: it might have been Alexander von Humboldt, who was a uh, German, I believe, a German philosopher who they named a uh, a foundation after that uh, endows scholarship. Yeah, philosopher, a Prussian polymath, a geographer, nationalist, explorer. Uh, and a proponent of romantic philosophy and science, Alexander von Humboldt. You're welcome,
1: Kevin. Uh, other than uh, you know, Kevin's that you knew from high school, who would you who would you switch, switch, swap names with?
2: It's a rough time for Kevin's. I mean, 2020 is not a good tasty. So let's uh, let's Just go to a simpler early. T- yeah, don't give me the, the whoosh. I got the Kevin Spacey riff. Yikes. Thank you. Let's take
3: a. Uh, let's just put Kevin to bed. Let's just. Art.
2: Let's just. Uh, let's. All Kevin's, you know that that scene from True Detective, where he's nope. talking about how all of humanity should just come together and walk off out of a raw deal. Kevin's should just band together and just stop existing. I choose no other Kevin's.
3: <laughs> you want sort of a
2: uh,
1: drink the Kool Aid kind of a, just yeah. On moment,
2: yeah. Kevin's, we've done enough. Over, <laughs> for
1: Kevin's, and obviously I'm going to swap with the other Mike Jones, who has millions that Aww. maybe I can retire my
2: student loan debt with. My uh, real uh, answer is Kevin Conroy, Hercules. Okay,
3: why not Kevin Allister? <laughs> what <laughs> <fish Frugal>? Kevin?
2: <laughs> All
1: right, we'll move on to Mama Maple Leaf, who asks. Your daughter slash son is a college athlete and political wrangling has now pushed open the football season. So I guess it's largely our son is a college athlete. Anyway, myocarditis resulting from COVID-19 is a proven fact among competitive athletes. What do you do? Remember, it's 2020. And that's uh, less. Uh, 20, or, or rather, Remember, 2020 is less than a blip on Earth's geological scale. Plum, I think actually I would turn to you first on is myocarditis. It's, it, it seems like the big 10 walked a long way back, a long way back from myocarditis. And there seems to be uh, some interesting research pushback on some of the initial myocarditis findings. So where are we right now on this?
0: Um, so science mag has come up with a study uh, sometime I think last early last week because it was circulated in some of the circles that I'm on. Um, cardiologists from around the world are are peer reviewing uh, an article uh, that was uh, that was discussed in in Science magazine. Science so Science magazine the magazine sorry Science is very 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 well regarded, um, uh, peer reviewed uh, or a, I should say a publicly available distillable source of high quality uh scientifically reviewed peer reviewed literature um and uh and they're you know they're they're basically stipulating that yeah in fact this is this is demonstrated this is really beyond question we have seen um we've seen higher than normal rates of myocarditis among survivors of covid-19 in so far as we've seen a ton of people with anosmia the um loss of smell loss of taste as a result um and about 20% of those cases by the way haven't returned still um, two, three months on, which means that COVID-19 is either destroying nerve endings in the nose or throat, uh, I'm sorry, in the nose or, or, uh, or whatever part of the nerve endings are sort of controlling taste and tongue. Um, I know that's a lot of, that's correlated with the nose, um, or it's in the brain. So there are, there are pieces of this virus that we, that we do not understand. Um, if you, depending on how you segment the population segment, um, athletic, uh, athletes folks that are highly trained af- athletes, um, there was some argument earlier that highly trained athletes with uh, superior cardiac performance were somehow more at risk. I think that's kind of the track that the Big Ten is walking back, but there is no doubt that we're still seeing higher rates than normal among survivors of COVID, and that is continuing to, there's to continue to be a prevalence that's building a higher than than normal, higher than average volume among student athletes, and again, these these high high performance athletes. So um, I, I don't think any of that that evidence is in doubt.
1: So if you had a son or daughter uh, who was a college athlete and, uh, you know, you have some some relationship with college athletics in, in your own life, like how do you feel about them engaging with college athletics right now? Assuming they're getting the testing that, you know, let's assume they're a Big Ten athlete, right? Like, so let's assume the facts that we have a, a familiarity with.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is the thing with, with, I mean, if I'm a parent, of course, I'm going to say, no, you, you shouldn't play. And because this, my child is now an adult. It's not true of all big 10 parents. Well, any parent that truly loves their child would say, (laughs) no, you cannot play because your life to me and your quality of life is more important than the, the unlikely propensity that you will one day make goobs, goobs and goobs and and gobs and gobs of money. As a professional athlete. Um, I mean, there was that study back in, in, uh, in July from JAMA cardiology, the journal of the American medical association that showed at OSU four of 26 athletes. That's almost, um, the sixth of, of athletes are developing myocarditis. I, I wouldn't take those odds. Would you take those odds? Would you, would you, uh, would you let Blake take those odds? Um, yeah. so now well, he's, yeah. if he was an adult, you, you would respect his decision, but I would inveigh in him in any way that I could not to do yeah. that. There's absolutely no way
3: um yeah
1: that's pretty morbid all right thanks for really making yeah here i can start from that i need
2: to issue a uh uh i need to to, uh, fix what i said before uh kevin conroy is the animated voice of batman kevin sorbo (laughs) wow a a, uh googling of famous kevin's Mm. does not yield a lot
1: alex are you listening to me right now
0: this is a shameful aside. This is a low point. Alex, I'm, when you were
1: talking and you were saying things that were really relatable, yeah. Greg was over there like looking at his screen in a way that could tell that it was like, I'm looking at Google waiting for my turn to talk. Just so I'm you,
0: you were waiting for him to then share with us what he learned. Yeah. It's it
1: kind of anyway. All right. We're moving on. Mama Mabel leaf up next, uh, who asks Adam's field and, and armory were constructed circa uh, 1885. hey Um To house military training and subsequently athletics. The largest fundraiser was an annual carnival beginning in 1907. What quote-unquote sideshow would Can't Read, Can't Write have created slash hosted as a campus group attraction in order to raise funds? And Greg, tell me, why is that not a... Read toddlers, uh just to keep it on brand
2: yeah, sure, that's exactly what it is i don't know would you would you have like a like a goat wrestle i don't, I don't know what do you do in eighteen eighty five
0: would probably have like what well, we can't read can't write do it would have be it would have been like a like a find the slender man, and Kevin would have gone and hidden in some bushes somewhere, and the local children would have gathered to find him, and when they did, he would have been. Or, no, we'll, still
1: we'll, we'll invent time travel. We'll pull Drew Stanton back, and we'll have them impress them with his running slash throwing capabilities. Yes. Uh, all right. Last up, uh, no, second to last up from Mama um, Maple Leaf. Twenty years from now, historians will look back on MSU's response to this pandemic favorably, with a U, or not so favorably, also with a U. Plum.
2: I'll, yeah, I will leave this a plum.
0: Oh. History is almost never kind, Um, almost never kind. I mean, it takes a lot to be on the right side of history because, you know, we typically know we're doing wrong in the moment. And when we know we're doing wrong in the moment, history never ends up seeming to validate that. So I have to believe that on balance, not just Michigan State, I mean, and we've got a lot of black eyes for us in this past decade alone. So this really is just a little more on the on the top. But really everyone in general. I think historians are gonna look back and go, wow, like people were doing that? Like they knew they knew all that and they still did it. Um I I hope that there is some sort of like footnote that sort of like in these moments you still want to live and your your desperation, your desire to just cling to that which is familiar and normal is what guides your actions into that. But I think in in general on balance. Uh, at least in the US the response to the pandemic the refusal to wear masks the um the blind devotion and loyalty to college sports the overwhelming f- hatred and animosity directed at the Big 10 for doing the right thing initially uh that's it's just it's it's beyond the pale and history will not judge any of that kindly
1: so the the one thing I would I would just tack on uh not to to sort of Minimize the, the dramatized, uh, reading of that is that I I feel like MSU deserves a bit of a black eye for, for having everyone sign up for in-person classes, taking the tuition and then moving remotely. When I, if, if we were saying how many months ago that there would not be football on campus, why would they think that they were going to have classes on campus? Like if you can't play football, why could you have classes? And they did it and they took the tuition and then, and they also had people sign up for all of those, um, all of that off-campus housing that was a year in advance. And so I don't know what they expected to happen other than what is exactly happened, which is to say, Ingham County is trending above 5% at this point in time. So MSU may have, on paper have a great COVID response, but uh, there have been screw-ups along the way, and, and it's worth recounting those. 100%. Uh, anyway, we'll move to Mom and Mivali's last question, which is, really? Why is society supporting sports? Thousands of COVID tests and human resources used each week, instead of distribut- distru- uh, distribution to areas where sick people are in need, we do need entertainment, etc. But you don't see Broadway lighting up now, do you? Uh, uh, l- all right, Plum, I-, I think you and I are maybe a little bit head to head. I don't think you, uh, Papa uh, Jones, just brought me a beer and I want to say,
2: Yeah, Papa Jones is the best. Truly the best of all times. Golly, I wish I
0: was there right there to see Cliff and Linda. Man. Uh, Did you hear that? Did you hear that crack? I heard it. I heard it. So that crack you guys heard
1: was Papa Jones cracking a beer on the podcast. Booyah. First appearance. We need to credit him at the end. Kevin, make sure it's in the show notes. (laughs) (laughs) It
2: Crack at whatever time note this is.
1: But it, so Plum, I I guess I'll drill down on the point instead of letting you go first. And it's kind of what I what I said earlier. And, and Greg, I don't want to box you out on this, but but I don't understand why this is the Big Ten's fault on playing sports. Like I don't understand why they should be procuring these tests to bring students on campus to learn. And if your beef is with them buying them, then you need to prove to me that they boxed out public schools from being able to have students safely on campus and not also have a swab up their brain every week or every day. Like I I'm just, I'm not tracking on how the big 10 somehow in all of this doing the better thing than all the conferences that are actually playing. They said, no, 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 it's not cool to go forward because we don't have the testing infrastructure in place. And then it did happen. And then they did make a change in decision. Why are they the bad guy in all of this? They should should be getting a a victory lap for, look, it's a screwed up system we have, but it's a system we have, and we did it the right way.
0: Mm -hmm. Am I wrong on that? I think there's a lot of zero sum in there. And I think that's part of the challenge that we have to unpack. Um, If, and I I don't want to be, well, I'll just be glib. I want to be glib. Let's be glib uh if if everyone jumps off a a bridge without a without a parachute and michigan state to, decides to jump off the bridge with a parachute that they know doesn't work uh that doesn't make them inherently better it doesn't make them inherently smarter it makes them maybe they maybe they did it with a parachute but they knew it didn't work so i i don't you know what i mean like it's but
2: but, but you, you the, outlining you, how you, the parachute does work. we you, we have you, an inherently unjust system yeah, no, you're you're
1: pissed that you're pissed that people who had to jump off the bridge didn't also have a parachute, and that's fine to be upset about. I just don't know that it makes the guy who had a parachute that does work because the parachute that that you're talking about here is daily testing that has above ninety percent specificity. And what's the other one? Yeah, sensitivity.
0: But let's that's, say this. It, but let's say this about this. So let's take your premise that, and you're right. Let's agree with you that it's not the it, Big Ten's it, responsibility. It's Let's agree with you that it's not the Big Ten's responsibility to procure tests for Detroit public school teachers and Lansing public school teachers and Flint public. Let's agree that it's not the Big Ten's responsibility. Let's also You're
2: say the choices of those cities, by the
0: way. Let's also say, though, that these conferences, and I know this working in a massive corporation. I know how much our organization spends through our, our community benefit work. We're an anchor institution. We direct where our dollars go. We direct how we spend um, with certain suppliers and, and certain vendors in order to move a larger, um, in order to move our sort of collective vision for Detroit forward, right? We, we are really selective in who we choose to do certain businesses with so that we're building wealth in our community. So what if, what if every division one conference committed for every one test they bought, they would buy two more so that they could be distributed at another, at a school. So what, when my point here, isn't that it's their responsibility to do that. My point is here, we can all agree that there are finite resources. We all know that that's true. We don't know that the big 10 taking a test for their, their student athletes is depriving my sister who's a school teacher of a test. We don't know that. But we do know that there are still limited tests. The Big 10, the SEC, every last one of the Division 1 conferences that are playing right now could have said, could have banded together and say we're going to play, but but we're going to look at the optics of this. We're going to recognize our insane privilege, the insane amount of resources that we have available to us. And we're going to make sure that we do something. Now, to your broader point, is that a drop in the bucket? I I honestly don't know. I don't know if it's a drop in the bucket. I know if they had done this, they would have undercut every argument that's being put for it. And they would have made the larger case, which is to everyone watching television, that – we're not somehow supposed to be special and that we understand that you're paying dollars to watch this game. And those dollars are coming into our coffers. And we're going to use those dollars, not only to be prepared to play, but also to make sure that we're safe. They could have then said, and we're going to take a portion of that profit and we're going to reinvest it in our local communities so that others can be safe too. And to date they've all failed the conferences, the schools and everyone else. And, and, and is that part of the, the, the equation? I think it absolutely is.
2: I think there would be just as reasonable an argument still that football is not a societal good and that it's not worth playing. And that even if these conferences did do some kind of handout, people would say, well, okay, these tests represent 4% of revenue. Is that worthwhile? And it would be a vaguely similar argument. I think the cleaner thing to do is to acknowledge football is not a net or Something a fully attributable societal good, you can make an argument about how it you know distracts the populace and gives us something to be excited about, or whatever you want to do. It's not worth if you were looking at a full utilitarian uh, regime, it is not worth allocating these resources to football, but that is not the market reality. And the truth is that we're going to play football. And at least the big Ten is doing so under the best possible circumstances. So I think you have to I think you have to evaluate it there, and if you want to choose to not participate and to resent these uh, institutions, but I think you're
1: I think that's fair. But so you're you're right. It's it's fair. I'm not I'm not willing to hop on anyone's feelings and say that you're wrong to have the feelings. I just it, my my point because I I don't disagree with you. Right? That like who's you,
2: Jonesy? This is why we.
1: Sorry, sorry. sorry. I I don't, I don't disagree with Grac here. That like it, it is sort of what it is, and that the Big Ten is doing this in potentially the best way possible. That it is also fair to and right maybe to criticize the fact that these tests aren't being that somehow the big tens has access to something that for instance, a public school does not. that That is a fair concern to have. My point is that
2: the boogeyman in that scenario is not the place that has the tests. Yeah. Those, those tests weren't going to be allocated to public schools anyway, Were you choosing right. because it, because it is, Easy to do.
1: It is not zero sum. It is not zero sum in the sense that the Big Ten got tests and public schools did not. The the Big Ten isn't getting these tests as a result of the president making a phone call. We all know that if if it was as easy as the president making a phone call, the COVID response would have been better. And so the the fact of the matter is that shortly after the Big Ten decided to say that they were not going to have a season, a test came out with with like 12 hour response time on a test that Less was enough. was what's that 4 hour response oh, time thank you even better thank you so 4 hour response time for $4 and high specific specificity and plum sensitivity thank you that's the other one
2: i like how specificity is the one that you keep remembering because <laughs> specific is a a, a thing anyway I will point out that you keep you keep saying that that's the test. we don't know that necessarily that's the test. We know that it is an a rapid response test, but we don't know that it's necessarily that test that was announced, but continue because you agreed with me continue
1: anyway the The broader point being that just because because the big Ten got access to tests doesn't mean that they took it from a public school and it doesn't it doesn't make the it I, if, 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 if your concern is about the public schools don't have tests, I'm with you. I'm what? with you. I just, it, it, I don't think the big 10 should be your boogeyman in that equation. They're, they're not your enemy here. They're not the ones who held it up. And, and to make that argument feels like you're assuming facts that are not in evidence. And, and that is, it, it's, that's not acceptable. So that's my point. And, and Plum, I'll leave it because I, I made you lead. I will leave it to you last before moving on to the next Twitter question.
0: I think, I think I've said it. I mean, I think I, you're, you're not wrong. Your points are not wrong. I, I think that the locus of my frustration is beyond just the Big Ten, especially around how sports are concerned or how tests are concerned. There is still a broader question, which is the responsibility of the school around this. So if you take each of these elements together one by one, and you parse out testing by itself, you've made a convincing case maybe that maybe this isn't the big time's fault, and okay. but then when you look at myocarditis, when you look at other I have a real hard time saying myocarditis for some reason, but I do. Uh, I avoid saying it so you, you have a, you, you have these <laughs> other you have these other sequelae, these sequential events that that are connected with and highly correlated to incidence of the disease, you've, you, you, when you put it all together and you add Testing for me, it becomes the cherry on top. Um, so, but your points aren't wrong. I don't disagree with you. I'm glad that we had a full throated disagreement. We don't do it enough on the pod. Hopefully, we'll start um, and we'll leave it at that.
1: Yeah, I, I, it was it was important to remember it's it's okay to disagree civilly and 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 push forward with bold ideas. Anyway, moving forward, Joe Ashworth, who I don't know who this is, and Joe, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we we're happy to have you. Joe's question is, on the field, what do you hope changes the most under the new regime? And what do you hope to see that resembles the D'Antonio era? And so, I, if it's okay, I'll just lead here with saying that... Um, <laughs> I, I know the defense is going to look different uh, different under under D'Antonio, but... Sorry, under Tucker, uh, Plum is typing in the outline. It's very distracting. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I I think what I hope to see that resembles the D'Antonio era under the Tucker era, Tucker era is a a commonality in the the defense first that that we're gonna we're gonna push we're not gonna give much up and and I think sadly the hallmark of the D'Antonio defenses towards the end came to be that they gave up actually a, a certain amount of yardage that, that sort of uh three to seven mark on the, the out pass game became a reoccurring thing that the teams keyed in that we gave up. Um, I hope to see something that, that, that is fresh in the big 10 and and causes pressure and uh and, and consequences on the offensive side of the ball uh, what do i look forward to most changing the entire offensive scheme i, I mean it, you know all the things that d'antonio said was going to happen in his last season i hope actually happened under the first year of mel tucker and maybe more uh greg what do you, what do you got
2: I mean, the easy answer for this, uh, for what you would like to see that resembles the D'Antonio era, is winning, right? Yes. Touché, touché, touché. The things that you'd like to see changes are things like areas where Mark, I think we can say now, atrophied, right? Yep. There were... Areas of enthusiasm. There were eras, areas of uh, you know adapting, pre- preliminary or primarily on on offense, but in other areas as well. I mean, special teams has been bad for years now. Yeah, I mean, Antonio. Even even when Mark D'Antonio was peak, really good. Mark D'Antonio, he still made decisions that were contrary to the math of football. He would still punt in situations that are bad situations he would still do certain things that were his offenses were always very easy to identify I mean I think we all sat at home and knew pretty well what the plays were going to be so those those are the areas that I would like to see changed but the Big Ten is going to give you a certain number of wins You know, there's churn that happens out there. There's error in other teams. There's error in the machine. There are wins available for you to take. And what we could always trust in Mark D'Antonio is that he was generally going to win the games that he was supposed to, and that he was going to grab a few that he wasn't necessarily on paper. And it's that that I always appreciated from Mark and I will always appreciate from D'Antonio teams and that's what I would I would hope for Mel Tucker,
1: and and Joe. I just want to say a special thank you for this question because I think it's on brand for the questions that we've we've longed for for months. Uh, that is, it, it was a good question. It it asked us to actually provide some insight on what we know, what we hope for. Uh,
2: it,
3: it, honestly, Joe, thank you.
2: <laughs> thank you. Also, I, w- I would add before we move on, great trick plays with great names.
3: Yeah, yeah, that,
1: that's fair. Great twic- trick plays, great names. Um, so uh, I think an equally important question is coming from White Claw Nihilist, who maybe the name gives away the <laughs> question, which is best tailgating beverage plum. Uh, do you have an answer to this or should I throw it to Greg?
0: Oh, I have an answer for this. Uh, it has to be Labat Light. It has to be a light beer. You can just throw a hundred of them back because you always want a beer in your hand when you're tailgating. But hey, baby, I got a bat light right here. At a boy. At a boy, yeah. Kevin Gregg. Man. That's what I was thinking of. Ugh, what a mensch! This guy. It's got to mm-hmm. be a light beer.
2: Well, my oh. answer is the beverage in your hand, or the one coming down the liquor luge. <laughs> what about you,
0: Joseph? Churlish.
2: So it,
1: <laughs> I it remind me, it reminds me about liquor luge's for a uh, a fun anecdote off 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 mic. Cuz uh, we're on PG 13 we're going to need to
2: take it to the next level.
1: It was a liquor luge for the occasion for which we are here together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the uh yeah the I I would tend to agree. It needs to be a eminently drinkable beer or beverage. So I think the claws, the seltzers, they're a modern adaptation on something that is very drinkable. Um, you want something that's going to keep you not so like knocked out that you're not going to enjoy the game that's in front of you. You want a healthy buzz. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think there should be a, a healthy enjoyment of the shot that some people shy away from, but you want that quick little pickup right before game time because you've been nursing something for a little bit. So I'm a big fan of the fireball, but uh, I don't disagree with either of these gentlemen. I just would go Miller, not Lebat, because I'm not a goddamn communist.
0: Wow. Um, hurtful. <laughs> Yikes.
1: Uh, next up from white cloud nihilist is, uh, which position coach needs early success the most Greg? I think this is actually a very good question. Who do you think is the most approved? Cause, um, I'm yeah, I don't think it's actually the people that are inheriting bad position groups. Would you agree?
2: Uh, are you sure? Because I think the easiest answer to this question is Jay Johnson because he's both offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Quarterback has a lot to prove, and then you get to just sort of backdoor your way into offensive coordinator when you answer Jay Johnson to this. So I I guess I mean to say
1: that Coach Cap, the offensive line coach, because Michigan State has weakness on the offensive line for a long time. Sure. I'm willing to give him a lot of bandwidth. Right? Like,
2: he didn't inherit a a great situation. He's also the run game coordinator, which we're going to be relying on heavily so uh those would be the guys it's 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 somewhere on offense right
1: and what's so what's your answer
0: uh i i don't have one i i I, kevin's jay johnson is probably the one that most resonated with me i could say special teams just given how bad we've been forever
1: that's not not wrong that's not wrong ross ells linebackers coach special teams coordinator that's not wrong sorry That, that fell apart in the D'Antonio era. I mean, that, but like, to
0: be fair, we've been terrible on defense since Narduzzi left. If we're being completely honest. you uh, uh, okay, you're, fine. You're,
1: you're, getting pu- you're getting pushed back on two sides on this
2: one. Uh, content, yeah, yeah. Maybe terrible
0: was too strong. Maybe terrible was too strong. But- Different. Different okay. on, on defense. Right. But unsatisfying. Not Uh, All right, let's move along to
1: the last question from White Cloud Nihilist, which is any particular player that you're most excited to watch when we finally get to see football? Everyone knows my answer is Julian Barnett, but uh, Plum,
0: do you have an answer and then pass it over to Greg? I mean, I guess I'm really interested to see what sort of career-ending injury Rocky Lombardo goes through because he cut his hair. (laughs) Because Samson uh, Samson
2: cut his hair. I I think the, my answer, and I think I'm speaking for a lot of people, and it's like the super normie answer, is Jaden Reed, transfer from from Western Michigan wide receiver. I, we keep hearing big things from this guy. There's a lot coming out of, uh, of, uh, of the, the preseason hype, and then we heard so much last year, and that is a position group where we could stand to uh, to see some razzle-dazzle. So I'm going to go ahead and, and say Jaden Reed. Um, moving on. though Taylor Anderson asks, uh "How embarrassing would it be to lose to Rutgers, and how can we avoid that? Plum, w- what would you tell the team to uh, not lose?
0: To I mean, you lost to Rutgers, and you took all of those tests from all those public school teachers who've all now died. <laughs> how how can you live with yourself, New Jersey? Do you just
2: take the whole team to the public school teacher yeah. uh, cemetery, yeah. and you're like God, these." These public servants died that we may beat Rutgers
0: has to be right. Has to be.
2: <laughs> That's the one.
0: That's the one, right? That has to be it. No,
2: Josie, what would you say to get uh, to rally the troops to beat Rutgers? Never forget <laughs> that we're the only team to have not lost Rutgers and don't mess that up. <laughs> That's the parenthetical.
1: That's the sure. parenthetical title for the song that I, the country song I've t- I've made called "Never Forget." Parenthetical. <laughs> We're the only team to never lose the Rutgers. Don't mess that up. Don't mess. That up. And
2: parenthetical. So All right. Bad. What's next? Uh, next up from Taylor Anderson Jonesy, what's your most outlandish prediction for the season, assuming it goes off without a hitch, which it probably won't. <laughs>
1: Which I'm going to lean into, which is that Michigan finally has a COVID outbreak. Jim Harbaugh personally down, and half the Michigan team, and we win a forfeit over Michigan. COVID finally comes through for Spartans in 2020.
2: They're just going to read that as, the only way that Sparty thinks that they can beat us is a forfeit.
1: Hey, honestly, that means more downloads for the podcast. I'm for it.
0: Yeah, not upset with that. Anything that jumps out to you? Uh... Um. Yeah, it won't go off without a hitch. I. Uh, I don't know. George Blaha. uh gets invited <laughs> to come down and call a few plays. Um. And Will Teeman gets a chance to to to. Call oh, sorry. Will end. Teeman. God, that's embarrassing. Yeah. Will Teeman comes down to call a few plays and. Uh, uh, calls no. It's a play that leads the to touchdown. Ball. MSU. Good for him.
1: I, I love the idea that, that that maybe Teeman comes down and Coughlin's kicking, and just mid kick he's like he got. No misses because just
2: shanks it don't get don't plum don't let him talk down to you it's blaha for football yeah, unless something changed that i'm a de, de blaha no, no 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 no. plum had it right plum had yeah. it right at the get-go yeah. i just like teaming
1: being there yeah
2: i'm just so protective of plum i'm sorry, so I'm
1: sorry. All, right, all right we'll move on to Raymond chains plum i'm sorry uh you had it right from the get-go um
0: Plum, Raymond first asked Alex is, is Raymond chains pretty uh, there is no doubt that Raymond chains is pretty great moving on uh, <laughs> the, and some some and I again some have said the prettiest I, I think this is funny because
1: I believe I'm the only one who's actually seen Raymond chains um,
2: Man,
0: that's neither I've there of
2: I've got a picture of him in my head
1: uh, <laughs> I have a picture of him in my heart Ray maintains next S <laughs> this week on the D'Antonio show. The coach is being filmed for an NCAA football PlayStation game, but his drive to slim down is becoming obsessive. Or the coach responds to the misses asking him to spice things up by agreeing to grill some steaks and watching SEC football. Uh, Plum, not to box you out, but I'm going to send this one to Greg.
2: Uh, I like the idea of uh, of our friend Mark D'Antonio going in and, and dusting off the PS2 and being like, "All right, let's see what the kids are doing these days." <laughs> I like the idea that he he thinks spicing things up with the misses that he are is is
1: is turning on the SEC network that like <laughs> getting frisky in bed is like you want to watch some LSU.
2: <laughs> Cliff Jones again with the big deliveries. Thank you, sir. I'm the intern. God, he's so good. He's Dad, so sit,
1: good. Dad, 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 sit down here for a second. Uh, hang out. And if you got a follow-up question, you'd feel, you'd raise the hand. Um, I don't know how we're going
2: to pick him up, but it's, we're doing
0: it live. We're doing it live. Do live, damn it.
2: <laughs> you'll
1: have to, you, yeah, you'll ask it down on, on my mic. Um, but, hey-oh. Uh, all right. Uh, plum, Knife, <laughs> knife to your throat. Do you think MSU wins more than 2 games this year? You've already said as much, but say it, say it knife to
0: throat. And I'm I maintaining eye contact with that knife right against the jugular. We will win more than 2 games this year.
3: Do it. Greg,
0: Greg? knife sure. to throat?
2: Sure. Yeah. One two I mean that's at least 3 games. Yeah. I'm with I you. Mean, I wouldn't take it knife to throat, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, all right, last question from Raymond Chains. Do you think the Big Ten should have its own WWE-style wrestling league? That way, schools going through a bad patch athletically could enjoy something. Uh, Plum, what do you think? Uh,
0: wrestling, wrestling. I don't know. I I like the idea
2: that that Kevin Warren's like, oh, okay, Penn State's having a bad basketball season. You know, really turn them up in the script this week for oh. WrestleMania, Indianapolis, 42. I like the idea that, that, that
1: Kevin Warren says, does the calculus on what the Big Ten West is, right? Mm-hmm. And says, this is a joke of a division. Iowa, the only thing you have going for you is your wrestling team. So we're going to start WWE style yeah. wrestling
2: just to screw with Iowa. That's right, Jared. Suck it. Huh. Um, <laughs> Jared is going to come on the podcast. He's going to hack us like the upper deck jerk guy did. If in this seed versus seed ninth game of the season, the West just sweeps the East, he <laughs> we're like we need to just give Jared ten minutes to sound off on you. If that happens,
1: that's totally fine. But I will I will rebuttal with the nine to ten minutes that it took for MSU
2: to drive down
1: the field. To score <laughs> in 2015. Going
2: through and then ending with the LJ Sky. <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, this next question's for me. Yes,
1: wow. yes, that's right. Sorry, like Tom is up next. Greg, what's the situation like in EO now Uh-oh. that the students are back? Any roving packs of masked undergrads pretending the party they're going to is quote unquote socially distanced, like we have here in Madison?
2: oh yeah well uh sorry like tom i've been an undercover uh all right <laughs> streets uh uh operative here for can't read can't write from what i've seen uh, i think i said this earlier or maybe i said this uh earlier earlier before we started recording things have actually been pretty sedate in east lansing in the last week since the mandatory uh uh shelter in place orders have been have been set down so i, I would expect the numbers to decline in East Lansing, but you know, I'm not watching everyone all the time. So we'll see what happens.
1: So would I be welcome to stay at your home?
2: We'll talk about that. All (laughs) right.
1: right. Uh, Next up from story like Thomas for
0: me. um, Plum, you want to read this? uh, I would be more than happy to. Jonesy, (laughs) my husband also got a late ADHD diagnosis after college. Do you find that you keep thinking, early sign of ADHD or regular toddler behavior with your kiddo? Or is that just me?
1: Um, I, uh, my son is, is way, way too young for me to be thinking that way. I am uh, predominantly an attentive type, uh, which is commonly misdiagnosed as depression. And so my ADHD showed up in peculiar ways when I was um, a little bit older oftentimes forgetting things like school schoolwork work um, that I need to bring home without explanation. It rears its head in much uglier ways as an adult, but either way um, Blake's just Blake, Blake is not even two yet. I just, I'm not there with him. So I, I appreciate the question, but uh, and, and we'll certainly keep an open mind and open eyes towards it. But like I'm, I'm also going to l- lean with optimism on that everything's cool, and then then you know when it comes up, it comes up, and we'll address it then. So, yep. um, next question, Plum. Looking at your profile oh, picture, honest, that's so nice. Isn't that nice? Yeah, I, I, love I that. like these, awesome. I like these singular questions. If if other people could replicate this piece of of the questioning, it's great. Plum, looking at your uh, profile picture, are you actually a priest? And is the public health thing just a side gig
0: Wow, what a great question it's actually you, you got it backward uh, and not a priest so the public health thing is the main gig I am a deacon in the United Methodist Church deacons are in uh, ordained uh, to be bridge builders between the church and the world so we work typically outside of local churches you're
1: slightly uh, ordained
0: I, I, you're like you're like diet Coke ordained i I am uh, I, I'm personally uh, I am in my uh I am in my—what do we call it? Uh, my, Plum, can you baptize my son? I can't because deacons are not ordained to the sacraments. Now, if you want to get theological here, uh, in the United Methodist Church, deacons are ordained to four elements of the Christian tradition, to word, service, justice, and compassion. Whereas— Diet Coke. Diet Coke. Okay. Wow. Wow. As was a non-practicing—a non-practicer, Mike. <laughs> really hurtful words. Um, yeah to be fair what though two, Are, aren't we always practicing aren't we always practicing oh that's, oh that's really good that's a that's just, really you just you just showed me up big and two i actually <laughs> prefer diet coke so i really shouldn't be upset about it um <laughs>
2: <laughs> you put it in my turn, so yeah, we're good so
0: we're good yeah so we're good but yeah that's it deacons work uh work on the fringes we uh we're we're connecting the church in the world so that's anyway, actually the side gig
1: yeah, and I would say that for what it's worth, uh, if anyone happens to have some interest in faith or the conversations that surround it, Alex is actually a pretty solid follow on the old Twitter machine, uh, at Plum Alex. You got it. Um, you know, uh, whatever your faith level is, like it's an interesting conversation, right? Like you don't have to be a believer or an unbeliever, but like Alex is a obviously a smart dude who has interesting things to contribute. So give him a follow um, last question from story like Tom is for everyone. How many games do you think will actually get played out of the nine? I'm nine. Anyone disagree? I'm
2: gonna, I'm gonna, uh, guess shot Cliff Jones. What do you think? Yeah. Big 10. Yeah. 10 of the <laughs> nine games will be played. This man is optimistic. We need him on the show more often. He also delivers beers. I mean, this is he thinks there will be more football and he delivers beers. This is my kind of guy over here.
1: So to be clear, Cliff Jones is not only predicting that all Big Ten teams will play a full eight-game slate plus a ninth game quasi championship slash your last place or not game, and then a bowl game. And I think we all need to co-sign on that optimism. One hundred percent
2: I Interpreted that as college football playoff, first.
1: yeah. Yes,
2: yeah.
3: Ohio, State, Ohio State has 10 games. Oh, I, was thinking, I think MSU, MSU gets 10 games. We're going all the way. You heard it here from uh, not 11 games, a legend, uh, or whatever. Okay, I'm on board. <laughs> I'm on the cliff. <laughs>
1: you you are literally on i can i can hear your levels uh God. next up is nick Kamansky. up a pun twice nick uh ask what will be uh MSU's record on November 1st for those who aren't sure what nick is doing he's being a troll he's competing with CT and TC for what will MSU's record be after we play u of m uh plum i'll send it to you first uh
0: well as i have already correctly i might note predicted that we will have beaten rutgers uh we will be one and one on november 1st greg yeah
2: what was the question i don't listen when nick asks questions ct and T nick comanski i just i don't bother what was the question? Wait, but who's your
1: favorite troll? CTNTC or Nick?
2: It, it goes from week to week.
1: All right. So what's our record after playing Rutgers in U of M?
3: 2-0. Oh. My man. 2-0. Oh. That's my answer as well. Moving on. 2-0. Oh. Next up from, uh, from Nick Kamansky,
1: our, our, our newest troll. Uh,
2: will you have
1: me on the podcast on Sunday, October 25th, to discuss Michigan v MSU Nick I can confidently answer On behalf of the entire podcast
2: No uh, Also the arrogance to think that He's our original Michigan troll We got CT and TC We gotta pay homage To our first We our, have our
1: yeah, We have closer trolls We have closer friends uh, it's, it's all good um,
2: That's you though Nick
3: Next, next year Next year, yes, or maybe three years from now. Next up is John Hubbard. Uh,
2: (laughs) John Hubbard is asking, uh, "It's becoming a more live podcast over time." By the way, dear listener, yeah,
1: what's going on behind the scenes? You have no idea. (laughs) John Hubbard is up next. One bowl is full of the white pulpy bits left on an orange after you peel it. Another bowl is full of the sprouting eyes cut out from the bushels of potatoes. The cure for COVID is at the bottom
3: of both. Which one do you eat?
2: Here's the question. Does humanity
3: know that I'm presented with this option? No.
2: I politely decline both. <laughs> I mean, your answer is worse than I ever imagined it's Gross uh, This is a pass for me I mean I'm young I'll probably survive I'm not gonna eat <laughs> frog and ice cut uh, out of the bushels and potatoes <laughs> As long as
3: no one knows Yeah Cliff
2: points out that I can make vodka In my stomach Probably not
1: I'm, I'm taking: the,
2: close enough to a vaccine as it is. I'm taking the orange
1: pulpy bits every time. <laughs> uh, we'll move on from Greg's lack of food, whatever. Uh, if you can write your own epitaph, what will we read?
2: This is a great question. And all it? due respect to our friend at the top uh, with, the, with the, uh, Elon Bloom had great questions. Uh, this is a great off-topic question. I think my epitaph reads uh, three-star Slenderman for us here. Jonesy, what, what, I mean, what do you got?
1: 2021 is my best year.
2: <laughs> 2021. <laughs> Wait, thanks for shaping up, man. Uh,
1: last question from John Hubbard is, will all the great decisions being made about COVID Does Plum regret his public health knowledge? Not
0: at all. Not at all. Not at all. This was my time to shine. I I wasn't dim. Uh, Maybe wasn't as bright a blaze as one might have hoped, but I held my own.
2: Wow. Deepest in the craft. Do you know why? Because history is going to
0: look back and vindicate the things that I have said. The unpopular opinions that I've held are gonna be vindicated one day. That's- it's gonna Vin Diesel you oh. of sorts. <laughs> yeah.
2: Someday when they're breaking down can't read, can't write episode 53, they're gonna be like, you know, this plum guy has hey, some pretty good ideas. has yeah, some pretty good ideas. If only they had listened to Plum if
0: the
1: whole time. Last question on the Twitter questions is from Izzo Baggins. And I think, at first, we should celebrate Izzo Baggins for being a first-time questioner. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Clap it out. Go team. But I think we should also ask Iso Baggins for thank Izzo Baggins for asking the question that needs to be asked, which is to say, how on earth can we go three and nine when there's only eight games? That's right. This makes
2: me wonder... Everyone that made those bets in, like, Vegas on, like, the preseason lines, are those just all void? Do they just get?
1: Yes, like, they do. Actual... But, okay. but, you know, this is a, 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 a very exciting. this is an MSU Twitter sort of, like, we've decided to embrace that U of M Twitter's response to anything we ever say is, you went three and nine, and we say, yup. So how can we go three? And, oh. How can we possibly go three and nine if there's only eight games? What will we possibly do? And I think we've
2: already decided here we're only going to win three games anyway. So who cares? Well, I'm going to take a, a leaf from uh, Cliff Jones book and say that we're going to go nine and three. <laughs> by some miracle where the math aligns perfectly where MSU gets into the college football playoff with three losses and then wins the whole thing.
3: Wait, it would be 12. No, it would be 11 games. Or eh.
1: just maybe there's a whole bunch of COVID disqualifications and we continue to move through the playoffs. And there
2: will be COVID disqualifications.
1: <laughs> They're like, well, you guys are healthy. So I know you lost your last game, but you just keep being promoted up because this season is going to be a disaster. But we are on behalf of Can't Read, Can't Write genuinely really excited for it um except for one of us yeah one, one. of us not uh but we are we are optimistic i'm
0: going to launch us. it what <laughs> we are of us
2: are half enthused you know? <laughs> and one of us fully on board.
1: Look, I'm trying to wrap the episode, so we are hopeful nice. and optimistic that no one gets sick. We are hopeful and optimistic that the, the Big Ten is able to play. We are hopeful and optimistic that public schools are able to get testing so they can go back to school. And I- I'm hopeful
2: and optimistic that I cut the right amount out of Nick Kamansky's segments so that we don't get canceled.
1: Booyah. Booyakasha. So anyway, with that, Greg Plum, I say a very sincere, go
0: green. Go light.
2: Go away, Michael Jones.